Hey y'all, Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Okay, so today we're talking about season eight, episode eight, called Hunter Heroisai. Yes. <laughs> Did <laughs> I, I say, say it right? I like love this episode too. Yeah, it sounded like you said it right. Okay. I we was were trying to figure out like for sure, for sure, if that's how we say it, because it's like, I think that's how you do. And we couldn't find anybody who actually like said it anywhere. So, <laughs> so, so nobody, nobody in the world knows how to properly say it, probably. <laughs> so um, anyway, we started out in a park. It's daytime. We're in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. A man is wearing a suit and a wedding ring. He sits at a park bench and sends a text message on his phone. Then he sets the phone down and starts playing with his wedding ring. Um, a young woman comes up and says, Gary. She walks up behind him. So Gary stands up and faces her. Gary says, Olivia, after last time, I didn't think that you would come. Olivia says, I wasn't going to, but Gary says, I'm glad you did. Olivia says, so am I. Olivia takes Gary's hands and they smile at each other. We hear a quiet thumping noise. Olivia says, do you hear that? Gary says, what? Olivia says, the thumping noise. Is that you? <laughs> That's an odd thing to say. <laughs> I know. I hear Gary thumping. Says, <laughs> Gary says, you can hear that? Gary groans and bends over slightly, clearly in pain. Olivia says, Gary. Gary puts a hand to his chest and says, ah. <laughs> Olivia says, Gary, Gary falls back against the picnic table, gasping in pain. Olivia says, Gary, what is it? Gary sits on the bench and pulls his shirt open. Olivia says, Gary, Gary. Gary's heart is thumping very hard in his chest, pulling his skin outwards in a cookie cutter heart shape, uh, which is not natural. (laughs) Some might say supernatural. that never gets old (laughs) (laughs) so gary groans and olivia screams and then olivia is splattered with blood and we get our opening title sequence so we cut to a gas and sip sam is talking on the phone while gassing up the impala Cass is leaning against the front of the car sam on the phone says right yeah no just uh just call us whenever you find something dean walks out of the store Sam, still on the phone, says, yeah, yeah, of course. Right. No, I, uh, yeah, hey, you know what? Uh, Dean's here. He really wants to talk to you. And Sam hands the phone to Dean, who is not thrilled. He's like, are you kidding me right now? Like, why would you volunteer me for this torture? I know. (laughs) Dean on the phone says, Mrs. Tran, yeah. Hi. Uh, And then he hangs up and tosses the phone back to Sam. (laughs) Dean says, tunnel, what's going on in Tran land? Sam says, well, uh, Garth finally got him to his houseboat, but Kevin's having a lot of trouble reading their half of the tablet. So far, bits and pieces, nothing about boarding up hell. Dean says, Garth has a safe houseboat? <laughs> Sam says, dude, I don't even ask questions anymore. Sam takes the gas pump out of baby. Dean walks to the front of the car where Cass is reading a newspaper. Dean says, what's the word, Cass? Cass says, it's a shortened version of my name. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
sorry. I just like tried to talk and couldn't. Okay. <laughs> um, Dean says, yes, it is. I meant what's the word on the word. Any uh, tablet chatter on Angel Radio? Cass says, oh, I couldn't say. I turned that off. Sam says, you can do that. Cass says, yeah, it's a simple matter of blocking out certain subsonic frequencies. I could drag you a diagram if you want. Dean says, no, that's, uh, we're good. Why'd you flip the switch? Cass says, because it's a direct link to heaven and I don't want anything to do with that place. Not anymore. Dean says, so what now? Move to Vermont, open up a charming B&B. Cass says, no, I still want, I still need to help people. So, and he smiles. He says, I'm going to be a hunter. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Sam says, really? Cass says, yeah, I could be your third wheel. Dean (laughs) says, you know, that's not a good thing, right? Cass says, of course it is. A third wheel adds extra grip, greater stability. I even found a case, Oklahoma City. A man's heart jumped 10 feet out of his chest. Sounds like our kind of thing, right? Sam says, he's got a point. Cass says, excellent. I'll see you there. Dean says, wait, Cass, Cass, if you want to play cowboys and bloodsuckers, that's fine, but you're going to stick with us, okay? None of this zapping around crap. Capiche? Cass says, yeah, I capiche. <laughs> Dean says, Dean says, all right then. Get it, and I love it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I capiche. <laughs> <laughs> it's cute. I know. <laughs> Dean says, all right then, and he walks to the driver's door. Cass says, can I uh, at least ride in the front seat? Sam and Dean simultaneously say no, and Sam shoulders Cass out of the way. <laughs> He's like, get out of my seat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam and Dean get in the front seats. Cass gets in the back. So we cut to the police morgue. A dead body covered with a sheet lies on a table. A detective says, the coroner said his heart was ejected from his body. Got some air, too. Found it in a sandbox. <laughs> Sam and Dean are wearing their FBI suits and Cass is still in his trench coat. Sam says, any idea what happened, detective? The detective says, a lot of people are thinking drugs, Agent Nash, an assload of drugs. Cass says to Dean, there are no narcotics in that man's system. His molecules are all wrong. (laughs) Sam says, but you don't think that, huh? The detective says, never seen an eight ball do that. The detective pulls back the sheet to reveal the cookie cutter heart-shaped hole in Gary's chest. Sam says, wow, and who called this in? The detective says, a friend of his named Olivia Koppel. She saw the whole thing. She pulls the sheet back up and her phone rings. Um, She looks at the caller ID and says, ah, crap, I have to take this. Here's everything we got. And she hands Sam a file. She says, knock yourself out. Sam says, thank you. Dean says, listen, you see anything weird, anything out of the box, you give us a call. And he hands the detective a card. The detective says, whatever you say, Scully. Um, So Sam starts reading the file. Cass says, I can't sense any EMF or sulfur. Mr. Freling, there we go. Yeah. Mr. Freling's arterial health is uh, excellent. He leans over the corpse and sniffs. He says, "Mm, he did recently suffer from a mild... Uh, what is that? A bladder infection. Dude. (laughs) (laughs) Dean says, Cass, stop smelling the dead guy. Cass says, why? Now I know everything about this man. So we can, Sam says, do you know he was having an affair? Cass says, what? Dean says, strike one, Sherlock. 
Sam says, according to Olivia, they would meet at the park every Thursday at 1245, walk to the Moonlight Diner, where she's always ordered a Caesar salad, dressing on the side. They would chat about everything, and she'd be back on the road by 1.30. Cass says, you don't think she's telling the truth. Dean says, too much detail. Sounds rehearsed. Sam says, plus, we drove past the Moonlight Diner on the way into town. It's attached to the Moonlight Motel. Hey. <laughs> hey. Dean says, okay, well, let's say that uh, Gary here is on the prowl, but he's playing it safe because he lifts Gary's arm or left hand uh, from under the sheet and sees the wedding ring. He says, dude's married, doesn't want anyone to see his ride parked out front of the by hour flea bag. <laughs> Sam says, so he stashes his car at the park across the street and meets Olivia there. Dean says, his wife probably found out about it and it broke her heart. Sam says, so she breaks his. Sounds witchy. Dean says, yes, it does. Guy was living a lie and it came back to bite him in the ticker. But nice job on the bladder infection. <laughs> okay, don't have to be dick. so mean to him. <laughs> yeah, like God. Like he's just trying to help. He has no idea what he's doing, but he's wanting to do something, you know. And being able to tell all those things could be relevant in a future case, you know. Yeah. So come on, back up off his ass. Like, dude. <laughs> why are we so, acting like this yeah so dean walks away and Cass follows him um the camera zooms in on sam's face and we get a flashback uh we are inside a house sam is sitting on the couch next to riot unpacking a box of books he takes out a photo album that is titled amelia and don forever and is about to open it which is a bad idea <laughs> I know, right? when, when amelia comes into the room Amelia says, he said he'd be here by five. Sam stands up and walks over to her and he says, okay, just deep breath. It's going to be okay. And he smiles at her. She says, I know it's just this house, you know, he's going to think we're moving too fast. Are we moving too fast? Sam says, we're making up for lost time. And then Sam kisses Amelia. There's a knock at the door. <laughs> I know. You know what? You are moving too fast, motherfuckers. Like you move fast in the opposite direction of each other. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as Amelia walks to the door, she quickly says, don't talk politics. Don't say anything bad about the cowboys. And whatever you do, do not use the words moist or irregardless. <laughs> Sam says, there goes my opener. <laughs> Amelia opens the door and says, Hi, Dad. Amelia's dad hugs her and says, Oh, Munchkin. Amelia says, Okay, embarrassing. Amelia's dad says, That's my job, kiddo. He looks at Sam and then looks away. He says, So who's this handsome fella? Sam smiles, but Amelia's father walks over to riot. He says, What a dick. That was the dickiest thing ever is dickiest a word i'm not sure i mean we're gonna go with it <laughs> okay okay um amelia's father says yeah he's a good boy how you doing there you're beautiful amelia says that good boy belongs to this good boy stan thompson this is sam winchester sam says hi and they shake hands stan says i heard a lot about you sam says not all bad i hope stan laughs and says so this is a nice place Lon could use a mo. Amelia's. I know this is just like the worst person in the world besides Amelia. Yeah, like I. But I mean, hey, this is where she gets it from, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Amelia says Sam found it. 
I've been so busy lately. He's had to move us in all by himself, pretty much. Stan says, huh, job almost well done. Amelia says, do you want to drink, Dad? We have beer, iced tea. I don't think alcohol will help him. (laughs) I know, I know. Uh, Stan says, anything cold will be fantastic. Thank you, sweetheart. Amelia says, okay. Sam says, Mr. Thompson, um, I just, I know this must be weird. Uh, You haven't seen Amelia in months, and now she's living with a guy you've never met. Stan says, Amelia says you went to Stanford. Sam says, I did. Stan says, it's a good school. Sam says, it is. Stan says, so what do you do now? Sam says, I work at a motel in town. Stan says, ah, balancing the books. Sam says, no, maintenance mostly. Stan says, ah, well, that makes sense. Because I got to say, Sam, you look like a real fixer-upper to me. What a shithead. Ah, I just hate this man so much. Mm-hmm. You ain't Sam. the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Sam looks taken aback and uncomfortable. And the flashback ends. Um, we cut to a house. It's daytime. Um, the Impala is parked outside. Um, Mrs. Freling says, uh, I don't understand. Um, she's sitting at a table in front of a box of Kleenex. She says, Gary had a heart attack. Why would the FBI? Dean says, the parks are government property. We just have a few questions for you. Cass says to Sam and Dean, I'll handle this. I've done research. I can crack her. He leans over next to Mrs. Freling and says, now, Mrs. Freling, I don't want to bother you. I really don't. But I do have just one question for you. He slams his hands down on the table and yells, why did you kill your husband? <laughs> Dean says, agent stills, a word, please. Like, Mrs. You calm down, dude. <laughs> I know. Mrs. Freling sobs. Cass walks over to Dean and says, what? I was being bad cop. Dean says, no, you were being bad everything. Sam says, please forgive my partner. And he sits down at the table by Mrs. Freling. Sam says, he's, uh, he's going through some stuff. <laughs> Dean says, listen to Sam, to Cass. Sam says, what he was trying to ask is, is there any way Gary might have had secrets, something he was hiding? Mrs. Freling says, hiding? Like what? There's a knock at the door and someone lets themselves in. Olivia says, Deb? And Olivia enters the room carrying a casserole. Mrs. Freling walks towards her. Mrs. Freling says, Olivia. Olivia says, hey. And they hug and start to cry. Olivia says, are you okay? Dean says, as in Mistress Olivia? Cass says, this is awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Freling has her arm around Olivia. She says, I'm sorry. What did you guys think Gary was hiding? Cass says that he was sleeping with her. Mrs. Freling just like, I'm just going to say it since nobody else is, you know? (laughs) Yep. Mrs. Freling says, I know. Sam says, you know, Mrs. Freling says, Gary and I, we had an arrangement. He was seeing Olivia and I was spending some time with our neighbor, PJ. Olivia says, I'll, uh, I'll put this in the kitchen. And Mrs. Freling says, I'll help. Olivia says, yeah. And Mrs. Freeling says, okay. And they both hurriedly leave the room. <laughs> Just like, oh, this is weird. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. Dean says, freaking suburbs, man. Cass says, so she's not the witch. Dean says, just the best wife ever. Ugh, Dean. Oh, jeez. Dean. Yeah, I know. That was a little disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Cass says, then what killed her husband? Dean says, who gives a... 
and then the scene abruptly changes uh, before Dean can finish his sentence. Mm -hmm. We cut to the top of a city building. It's daytime. A man is standing on the edge of the building, looking down at the street below. He starts to cry and taps his feet a little bit. He takes a deep breath, closes his eyes and steps off the building. Instead of falling, he's suspended in midair as if he were standing on an invisible platform. The man opens his eyes and looks around in shock. He yells, it's a miracle. God wants me to live. And the man laughs joyfully, looking up at the sky. He then looks down and immediately falls. We hear a screech to brakes and a siren. So we cut to some time later. Um, Sam looks over the edge of the building that the man stepped off of to the street below and then walks over to Detective Glass and Dean. Uh, Cass is standing some distance away. Sam says, looks like a suicide. The detective says, it was. Guy left a note. He invested everything in Roman Industries and lost it all when they crashed and burned last year. Well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel sorry for the dude, but also like, yeah. That's- Don't invest in dick. I know. Dean says, so why call us? Detective Glass says, because I have two witnesses who swear that Madoff here floated in midair for a good 10 seconds. Then he looked down and splat. Not sure I buy that, but by the way they're talking, it sounds like something straight out of a, Dean says, cartoon. Um, A man says, hey, detective. Detective says, you said you wanted weird. Dean says, thanks. So the detective walks away to join the man and Cass joins Sam and Dean. Dean says, she's right, you know. I mean, the whole heart jumping out of the guy's chest, the delayed fall, that's straight up Bugs Bunny. Cass says, so we're looking for some sort of insect rabbit hybrid. How do we kill it? (laughs) (laughs) Sam says, no, we don't, Cass. That's a character like a Woody Woodpecker or Daffy Duck. Dean says, they're little animated movies. You know, the uh, coyote chases a roadrunner and then the anvil gets dropped on the head or gets dropped on his head. Cass says, is it supposed to be funny? Dean says, no, it's hilarious. He is offended. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to the boys' motel room. It's nighttime. Cass is sitting on the edge of a bed watching a cartoon on TV. Uh, a voice on the tv says stay tuned kids we'll be right back Cass laughs and turns off the tv sam and dean are sitting at the table sam is using a laptop and dean is reading Cass says i understand the bird represents god and coyote is man endlessly chasing the divine yet never able to catch him it's hilarious mm-hmm. i think you missed the point buddy <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dean says, I got no idea what we're hunting. Maybe it's a tulpa. Maybe it's some some crazy god who watched too much robot chicken. I mean, is there a link between Heartbreak Hotel and Free Fallen? Sam says, not that I can find. Dean says, all right, well, I'm going to call it. And he closes the journal he was reading. He says, Cass, you going to book a room or what? Cass says, no, I'll stay here. He says, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Dean says, oh, okay. Yeah, we'll have a slumber party. Braid Sam's hair. Where where are you going to sleep? Cass says, I don't sleep. Dean says, okay, well, I need my four hours. So Cass says, I'll watch over you, which I thought was sweet. Sweet, but a little creepy, you know? Like- <laughs> sure, sure. 
like I still, not quite right <laughs> my my dusty l heart loves it <laughs> um dean says that's not gonna happen so Cass stands up and puts a hand to his own temple he says something's coming across the police band sam says wait you can hear that Cass says it's all waves a bank has been robbed it sounds loony dean says define loony so we cut to a bank a one-ton anvil uh, is in the middle of the bank floor underneath a bloody squishy mass of someone <laughs> sam says that's loony all right <laughs> Cass is in- inspecting a card machine at the personal teller desk uh, detective glass walks over to sam and dean and says agents i was just about to give you a ring gotta ask do you boys chase the crazy or does the crazy chase you sam says depends on the day dean I mean, says that's a fair assessment <laughs> yes it is <laughs> dean says who's the pancake the detective says security guard he called in uh reporting a robbery but by the time we got here sam says a robbery the detective says Looks like the black hole was trying to jimmy open a safe deposit box when Mr. Rent-A-Cop found him. And well, you know how that story ends. Cass says, black hole? The detective says, it's our name for a burglar that's been running us ragged. He's a pro, no fingerprints, never any sign of forced entry, just a pair of those every time. And the camera pans to so we can see one of the large black circles on the wall. Uh, the detective says, it's like he's signing his work. Perp's never done anything like this before, though, obviously. Sam says, you mind if I take a look at your files on those other break-ins? The detective says, no skin off my nose. I'm headed to the station now if you want to ride. Sam says, perfect. So Sam follows the detective out of the bank. Dean says to Cass, hey, can you lift this? About the anvil. And Cass easily moves it. An X is marked on the floor underneath it. Dean says, X marks the spot. Well, whoever's doing this is playing by cartoon rules. Cass says, animation doesn't have rules. Dean says, sure it does. In Toontown, a pretty girl can make your heart leap out of your chest. Anvils fall from the fly, from the sky. (laughs) (laughs) And if you draw a door or a black hole on the wall, you can stroll right through it. They walk over to one of the black circles on the wall. Cass says, so this is how the thief got in. Dean says, and out, and cracked the vault. Cass touches a black circle. The wall behind it is solid. Cass says, then why isn't it working now? Dean says, I got no clue. So I cut to the boys' motel room. Dean is using the laptop at the table. Cass is sitting on one of the beds looking at John's journal. Cass says, your father, beautiful handwriting. Dean says, how are you feeling, Cass? Cass says, I'm fine. Dean says, well, I just... I know that when I got puked out of purgatory, it took me a few weeks to find my sea legs. Cass says, I'm fine. Dean says, don't get me wrong. I'm happy you're back. I'm freaking thrilled. It's just this whole mysterious resurrection thing. It always has one mother of a downside. Cass closes the journal and says, so what do you want me to do? Dean says, maybe take a trip upstairs. Cass says, to heaven? Dean says, yeah, poke around. See if the God Squad can't tell us how you got out. Cass says, no. Dean says, look, man, I hate those flying ass monkeys just as much as you do, but. Which is also Ca- kind of calling him a flying ass monkey, which is kind of <laughs> like, um. It's like- right <laughs> yeah. You don't realize who you're talking to, right? Right. Cass says, Dean, I said no. After a pause, Dean closes the laptop and walks over and sits on the edge of the other bed facing Cass. Dean says, talk to me. Cass says, Dean, 
I, when I was bad and had all those things, the Leviathans writhing inside of me, I caused a lot of suffering on earth, but I devastated heaven. I vaporized thousands of my own kind and I can't go back. Dean says, because if you do, the angels will kill you. Cass says, because if I see what heaven's become, what I made of it, I'm afraid I might kill myself. Sam enters the room and says, hey, got something. Cass says, good. He stands up. Dean stays sitting on the bed a few moments longer. Cass says, excellent. What? Sam says, so this black hole guy, before he tried the bank, he robbed a house across from the park where Gary blew a gasket. Dean says, so uh, what? You think the house heist and Gary's corpse are connected? Sam says, according to the file, they happened at pretty much the exact same time. Here, check this out. Okay, and he spread out. Uh, he spreads out a map on which X's are marked in three clusters. He says, here's the house, and Gary died across the street here. And that building from this morning, right there, that black hole hit that too. Dean says, let me guess. Where, uh, what's his name? Took a swan dive. Sam nods. Dean says, all right, I'll bite. What about the others? Sam says, well, those are the places that stuff got stolen, but nobody got dead. Take away the graffiti. And these all look like just normal smash and grabs. But I made a few calls, uh, talked to some people who are nearby, neighbors and whatnot, and they reported a whole lot of crazy. Dean says, like? Sam says, like a jogger bumping his head and sprouting a four-inch lump, or a kid walking to a wall and hearing birdies. Basically, for 50 yards around each robbery, people were living in a cartoon. But it didn't last long. I mean, five or ten minutes at each place. Cass says, uh, Cass says, about the length of time it would take a thief to get in and out. Sam says, exactly. But whatever power he's using, it's not targeted. I mean, it's kind of like an area of effect. I mean, picture him in like a bubble of weird and anything that touches it gets daffy. Dean says, so this animaniac can step through walls, can toss an anvil. Sam says, yeah, but he's warping reality to do it. So if someone happens to be nearby meeting the girl of his dreams, Dean says, his heart makes a break for it. Okay, so smashing the uh, rent-a-cop, that was on purpose. But the rest of them, what, is just collateral weird? Sam says, maybe. Cass says, so we're looking for a thief. Sam says, and the deposit box he was after. Now the house, the office, every place he's hit belonged to someone living at the Sunset Fields Retirement Home. Dean says, so you think our guy's there? Sam says, worth a shot. Dean says, all right, well, let's gear up. It's wabbit season. <laughs> Sam smiles. Cass says, I don't think he pronounced that correctly. Oh, boy. <laughs> 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 so we cut to sunset fields retirement home it's daytime sam and dana cast walk into a large room in which residents are sitting at tables they pass an old man using a walker and wearing a breathing mask who nods to them dean makes a face after the old man has gone by sam says come on it's not that bad dean says you can't tell me this joint doesn't give you the heaps and or jeebs <laughs> sam smiles <laughs> what were you gonna say Oh, I just said, geez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam smiles. A man walks, a man in a suit walks up to them and says, hello. Dean says, hi. The man says, can I help you? Dean says, yeah. And Sam and Dean hold up their FBI badges. Uh, Dean says, Agent Crosby, FBI. The man says, sorry, I'm Mr. I'm Dr. Dwight Mahoney. I run Sunset Fields. Cass says, we need to question your residents. 
Dr. Mahoney says, well, why about what? Sam says, grand larceny, mostly. Dean looks around, uh, Dr. Harmony, at the very calm looking residents playing chess. Dr. Mahoney says, of course, um, by all means, ask away. If there's anything I can do to help, let me know. Sam says, appreciate it. Dean says, great. All right, let's do this. No flirting, you two. So we cut to. Uh, I'm a dick. <laughs> I know. I mean, I get it, but like, dude, come yeah. on. <laughs> We cut to an old woman. Um, she says, you are so pretty, Charles. <laughs> Dean and Cass are at a table talking to the old woman. Um, Dean notices an attractive female carer walking by. Cass says, that's not my name. The old woman says, oh, you look so much like my third husband. Which, okay, can I just say that like... <laughs> When she said that, I wasn't sure if she had already had two husbands and was thinking he was going to be the third one or if he actually like looked like her third husband, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, ah, weird things have happened. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Dean says, we're here to talk about the robbery, man. The old woman says robbery. Dean says, mm-hmm. the one the police talked to you about a few days ago. Someone broke into your old house and uh, stole a stack of bearer bonds and some jewelry that you stashed under your floorboards. The old woman says, oh, my diamonds. Yes, I hid them there. To cash, she says, I'm sorry, Charles. I didn't trust you. You are quite the bounder. <laughs> Dean smiles <laughs> and says, did you tell anyone where your valuables were, Mrs. Tate? Mrs. Tate says, I don't think so. But then I get a little fuzzy sometimes. Dean says, have you noticed anything strange lately? Uh, cold spots? Smells? Mrs. Tate says, well, there's the cat. And she points. <laughs> Cats sometimes have some pretty strange smells. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Especially says, that come out of the litter box. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Dean <laughs> says, the cat? And a ginger cat is on a nearby couch being stroked by another resident. Mrs. Tate says, he talks sometimes really hates that mouse. <laughs> Cass says, I'll interrogate the cat. So Cass leaves the table and Mrs. Tate smiles at Dean. We cut to an old man sitting at a table in front of a tray of food, staring off into the distance. An orderly says, y'all done here? The old man doesn't respond. So the orderly says, all right. And he takes the tray and walks over to Sam, who is standing nearby. The orderly says, it's creepy, right? A lot of these people, they just tune out and live in their own heads. It's like maybe the real world is too much for them and they just run and hide, you know? Sam says, hmm. And then we get a flashback. We're in Sam and Amelia's house. Um, Sam and Stan are sitting at the table, which is set for dinner. Amelia walks to the table carrying a large bowl. She says, soup's on and semi-edible. She sets the bowl down. It contains spaghetti and sliced hot dogs, which looks disgusting. I know. And like not even sliced hot dogs is in like little like bite-sized pieces. It's literally like sliced them lengthwise in half and just laid them over the top. You know? I know. It looks awful. <laughs> so, okay. I can understand if you like cut it up into like chunks and put it in there. Mm -hmm. But like lengthwise hot dogs why yeah how are you gonna eat that with the spaghetti and yeah. yeah stan laughs and says you remembered 
Amelia says, dad was in the army, so we moved around a lot when I was a kid. Having spaghetti and hot dogs um, our first night in a new house was sort of a tradition. Sam says, all right, got it. Uh, my father was in the Marines. Stan says, jarhead, huh? Sam says, that's right. Uh, 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines, Echo Company. Stan says, I always thought they were a little puffed up myself. But hey, asshole. what do I know? I'm just an old grunt. Yeah, he is an asshole. Hey, why are you acting like this, dude? like ugh, i don't know drives me amelia's yeah i hate him (laughs) want to kick him in the nutsack (laughs) yep (laughs) amelia says you're my old grunt and she puts a hand on her dad's shoulder and then walks back into the kitchen stan says so amelia tells me you never served sam says no stan says see i find that hard to believe because i gotta say sam you got the look sam says the look Stan says the one a lot of guys get after they've been through the meat grinder, the one that lets you, the one that lets you know they've seen a lot of crap they can't forget. The second their feet hit solid ground, they start running and they don't stop, not till they find something to hold on to. Sam says, "You think that's what I'm doing here, just holding on?" Stan says, "I think the two of you are holding on to each other, yeah, because I know she's scared after what happened to Don. I don't blame her for taking off, needing to run." away and hide i know why she did it the question is what are you running from sam and the flashback ends now we cut back to the retirement home dean walks up to sam and says hey what do you got sam says hey uh nothing no hex bags no emf you dean says nada half the folks i talk to don't even remember being robbed sam looks at photographs of sunset fields residents on the wall uh, the camera, fo- the camera focuses on a picture of a Fred Jones. Sam says, Dean, uh, you remember a guy named Fred Jones? I think he was a contact of dad's lived outside Salt Lake. Dean says, yeah, that guy gave me my first beer. I don't even think I was in double digits. Sam says, right. Yeah, me too. Um, he was psychic, right? Dean says psychokinetic. Why? Sam says, because he's in room 114, and he points to Fred's picture. Dean says, Cass, let's go. Cass is crouched down in front of the cat, which is now lying on the coffee table. Cass says, I've almost cracked him. Dean says, now, and he and Sam walk away. Cass says, hey, and he holds up a finger to the cat. He says, I'm not through with you. (laughs) Cass follows Sam and Dean. The cat, uh, the cat looks at the camera and says, dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we cut typical cat. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) We cut to Fred's room. A cartoon plays on the TV. Uh, The character draws an X on the floor. Fred is watching. There's a knock at the door, which Fred doesn't respond to. Um, The camera pans out and we see that Fred is sitting in a wheelchair in his room, watching the TV that's mounted high on the wall. Sam and Dean enter. Salmon says, uh, I think I just called him Salmon, but that's I think fine. he did. <laughs> Salmon says. Salmon. Sam says, Mr. Jones, hey, it's a Sam Winchester. And he crouches down next to Fred's wheelchair. Dean says, Fred. Uh, the cartoon on the TV says, My nerves, get me a doctor. Dean switches off the TV. Dean says, Fred, hey, and he claps his hands twice. Fred continues staring up at the TV. Cass says, so you really think this one man is causing all of these shenanigans? 
Dean says, well, if he is, he'd be surrounded by a circle of crazy, right? Hang on. And Dean picks up a large book and hits himself in the head with it. There's a loud clanging sound, then the sound of birds chirping. Dean like, takes his he, head. like, Bible thumb himself? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the large book, <laughs> to me, kind of seemed kind of biblical. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, Dean says, bingo. Cass says, but how? Sam says, Fred's got juice. I mean, an average psychokinetic can move things with his mind, but a guy like Fred, you get him worked up, he can reshape reality. Dean says, all right, so where's his off switch? Sam says, I don't know. I'm not even certain he knows we're here. Fred is still staring up at the turned off TV. Cass says, do we kill him? Uh, Dr. Mahoney comes in and says, excuse me, agents, did he just threaten to murder one of my patients? So we cut to Sam, Dean, and Cass walking down the hallway. Dean says, real freaking smooth. Cass says, well, we don't have to leave him. I could teleport him. Sam says, Fred's radioactive, Cass. You zap him, no telling what will happen. Dean says, me and Sam will circle back tonight, get Fred nice and clean. You go invisible girl and keep an eye on him. You hear me? Cass disappears. Sam and Dean turn around uh, to look for him, but he is not visible. Dean says, good. So they cut to some time later. Uh, someone, uh, let's see, I messed up on my notes here. I think we're in the retirement home still. Someone wearing a diamond bracelet lights a sparkler candle with a cigarette lighter. Mrs. Tate smiles. Uh, the camera pans out and we see that the person lighting the candle is the carer um, and that residents of the retirement home are gathered around a birthday cake. Fred sits nearby in his wheelchair, staring vacantly and tapping one finger on his thigh. Each time he taps, the program playing on the TV in front of him changes. We see brief clips of a cooking program, scuba divers, and elephants. A woman's voice says, the birthday girl. And the carer says, happy birthday, Sheila. The residents gather around the birthday cake um, and they're all wearing party hats and chattering happily. Um, a man's voice says, the birthday girl. And Fred taps his finger again and the TV changes to a Woody Woodpecker cartoon. <clears throat> a female resident says, ha, good. On the TV, uh, Woody lights a large candle uh, on a fuse um, and hands the fuse to an ape wearing a bonnet who licks it. Uh, the carer says, get ready, big breath, ready? Mrs. Tate stands up and takes a deep breath. She blows out the candle. Uh, people scream as the cake explodes. Frosting covers the television and the wall. Okay, but was it just me or did that not just look like frosting? It looked like chunky human to me with frosting yeah like it yeah was, it definitely looked like a mix which I mean I guess would be like the cake you know yeah yeah it was the cake like, it's like a red velvet cake but I thought it was a person I know so. I was like oh it because I mean that would make sense when you hand somebody dynamite that somebody would blow up because exactly they have their face right over it <laughs> yeah okay so we cut to some time later Cass stands near the exploded cake the carer wipes Mrs. Tate's face with a towel. Um, the carer says, I'm just going to wipe this off your face, okay? Um, and she picks up a breathing mask and says, I'm just going to put this on. Dean arrives. Cass says, oh, you got my message. Good. Dean says, what the hell happened? Cass says, there was a pastry mishap. 
Dint says, okay. And Cass says, and the frosting reached near supersonic speeds. I thought, and Sam joins Cass and Dean and says, hey. Dean says, hey. Sam says, Fred's gone. Cass says, what? Dean says, oh, fan freaking tastic. To Cassie says, way to take your eye off the ball. The Kara pushes Mrs. Tate in her wheelchair towards Dean, Sam, and Cass. Uh, the Kara says, you're not supposed to be here. Dean says, well, trust me, sweetheart, you got bigger fish. Mrs. Tate uh, removes her breathing mask and says to Cass, Charles, she's wearing my diamonds. The Kara tries to push Mrs. Tate past Dean, um, Sam, and Cass, but Cass stops her and says, wait. The Kara says, what? What's wrong? Cass holds the Kara's wrist and says, this is Mrs. Tate's bracelet. Mrs. Tate smiles. Cass says, where did you get it? Dean says, answer the question. The carer says, my boyfriend gave it to me. So we cut to a house at night. Uh, Sam and Dean enter and look around with flashlights. Cass is behind them. Dean says, hey, and he picks up a piece of paper. He says, bearer bonds. Maybe these belong to Sheila Tate. Cass says, so this man is our thief. Sam says, yeah. He sees someone lying on the floor behind a table and points his gun at him. He says, Dean, the person on the floor is the orderly. He has blood on his face and is holding his hands over a stomach wound. Dean turns on the lights and the orderly lifts his head. Dean moves the table and the orderly coughs. Dean says, Cass. So Cass crouches down next to the orderly and says, stay still, move your hands. Cass holds a hand out over the orderly's stomach. White light shines from his hand and he presses on the orderly's stomach and the orderly gasps and moves as if in pain. Cass stands up, the orderly lifts his shirt Blood is still on his hands and stomach, but his wound is healed. The orderly says, how did you? Dean says, guy eats his Wheaties. Sam, come on. The orderly says, what did you? Dean says, get up. And he and Sam lift the orderly and push him into a chair. Dean says, come on, sit down. The orderly says, wait a second. What did you just do to me? Dean says, hey, 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 listen to me. Where is Fred Jones? The orderly says, I, he, he took him. Dean says, who? So we cut to inside a vehicle at night. A cartoon featuring a doctor plays on a tablet. Uh, the cartoon doctor hangs a sign that reads, doctor is in, on the door. Um, the orderly, back with Sam and Dean, says, Mr. Mahoney, that guy's evil, man, okay? And we go back to Fred, and we see that he's holding the tablet in a vehicle driven by Dr. Mahoney. The orderly says, he's using Mr. Jones. Sam says, how? So um, my notes were really bad here. Sorry. The orderly <laughs> says, look, all Fred does is watch cartoons, but he is magic. Okay. A few weeks ago, I slammed my foot in his door. I smashed it flat and I mean flat. And then when I shook the thing, it popped, it popped back up like something out of a cartoon or whatever. Yeah. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that would be horrible. <laughs> the orderly says, so I told Dr. Mahoney. And then he started doing experiments. Just, we just wanted to see what he could do. Sam says, what about the robberies? The orderly says, oh, Mahoney's been skimming off sunset fields for years. A lot of those folks, they got stuff stashed away, like off the books. Like, so Mahoney would track down the loot and then we would take Fred for a drive. Dean says, right. And use his bubble of weird to rip people off. How did you end up gut shot? The orderly says, Mahoney. After he anviled that guard, he started freaking out. And then you showed up 
and then the cake blew in the day room and then he lost it sam says well what does that mean he lost it the orderly says i mean he's on his way back to the bank right now for one last score doc's blowing town i mean he said that fred was a loose end he was gonna kill him and then i i like fred so i said that if he hurt the guy i'd go to the cops and i didn't know that he had a gun dean said okay so we cut to the street dean cass and sam walked to the impala cass says do you think mr jones knows what's happening dean says i don't know seems to me like the dude's living in a dream world so they get in baby and we get a flashback of sam and amelia's house it's nighttime sam is washing the dishes in the kitchen stan and amelia are talking quietly in the adjoining main room as amelia clears the dishes from the table stan says look i am trying to help boy i'll tell you if don could see you amelia looks over her shoulder at sam and says don't just don't sam looks over his shoulder at sam and says you can't you need to come home sam watches them from the kitchen Amelia says, is that why you're here? To drag me back? This is my life. Stan says this. It won't last. You were living in a dream world. Sam turns back to the sink. What a Amelia, dick. I know, right? Amelia says, I like it here. I like this house. I like Sam. Stan says, Sam is a mess. Amelia says, I'm a mess. But when I'm with Sam, I'm happy, dad. And I haven't been happy in a really long time. So please just let us be messes together. Back off my taquito, man. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Damn. She says, give us a chance. So Amelia brings uh, some dishes into the kitchen and smiles at Sam before going back out to the dining table. Stan carries some wine glasses into the kitchen and goes to the sink to stand next to Sam. Stan says, I'll dry. Is that your car outside, the Impala? Sam says, yeah, it was my dad's. Stan says, guy had good taste for a jarhead. Stan smiles, but Sam does not smile back. I Sam mean, rubs yeah, his... I wouldn't either. <laughs> I know. Like, I know you're trying to make a joke, but too little too late. Yeah. Um, Sam rubs his left palm, which he cut uh, in a previous episode, um, and, which used to help him ground him back into reality. Um, Sam then, um, what am I reading? I'm going to leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) I just wrote some nonsense. (laughs) Um, We cut back to the real world. We're in an alleyway. Sam, Dean, and Cass get out of the Impala and walk. um, Dean says, all right, Jones has got to be close. I'll hit the bank. You see if you can find him. Dean stops in front of a large black circle on the wall of a building. He lifts his hand and reaches out towards the circle. His fingers go through the wall and he quickly pulls them back. He looks at his hand and reaches into the circle again, inserting his arm up to his elbow. He laughs and pulls his arm out of the circle and says, awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that would be pretty cool. So we cut to an adjacent street. Um, Sam and Cass hurry along. Uh, Sam pauses to look behind parked cars and inside cars. Cass says, can you feel that, Sam? The power? They look inside a parked van. Fred is inside watching a cartoon on the tablet. Sam gets into the back of the van with Fred and says, Fred, hey, Fred. Hey, buddy. Hey. Hey, listen to me. Can you hear me? Fred. To Cass, he says, if we could just talk to him. Hey, buddy. Hey, wake up. Cass puts his hand on Fred's um, and Sam's hands and arm. Sam says, Cass. And then white light shines from Cass's hands. Sam says, wait, wait, 
The white light becomes blinding. Sam closes his eyes before the entire screen turns white. Uh, then we see a close-up of Sam's head and upper body against the light blue sky. He looks around confused as accordion music plays. A cartoon voice says, aha! The camera pans out and we see that Sam and Cass are standing in a cartoon desert landscape. A cartoon creature runs along a dirt track between Sam and Cass and continues off into the distance. Just after the creature disappears, there's an explosion over the horizon. Sam says, Cass, uh, where are we? Cass says, inside Mr. Jones's mind. You said you wanted to talk to him. Fred is standing with his arms crossed near Cass and Sam. Fred says, who the hell are you? The sky shatters into pieces and falls. Uh, the desert landscape now appears in overexposed, uh, moving gray and white, and there is a loud static noise. Sam says, Fred, Fred, hey, it's me. It's, I'm Sam Winchester. Fred says, John's boy? Sam says, that's right. Fred says, the scrawny one? <laughs> it's only been three or four years since I've seen you. Sam says, more like 20. Uh, listen, Fred, I'm going to need you to focus. Fred said, how did you, why are you here, Sam? When we cut to inside the bank, Dr. Mahoney removes a safe deposit box with a small black hole. Many other black circle dot, um, dot the safe deposit box wall, and many other deposit boxes are on the table in the vault. Dr. Mahoney sets the deposit box down on the table next to an open bag containing jewelry and cash. He opens the box and adds more cash to the bag. Dean appears and points a gun at him. Dean says, what's up, Doc? So we cut back into inside Fred's mind. Fred says, no, 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 no. Fred, Sam, and Cass are standing in the gray and white desert landscape still. Fred says, no, you're lying. They now appear to be inside a large bare room. The light is still gray and white. Cass says, this is happening, Mr. Jones. They're using you. Fred says, as what? Some kind of damn psychic copper top? You plug me in and the whole world goes wacky? It doesn't work that way. Sam says, how would you know? No offense, but it seems to me like you've been spending more time in here than you have out there. Fred says, you want to know what's the worst thing that can happen to a guy that's got a mind like I got? Losing it. So I cut back to the bank. Dr. Mahoney says, you let me walk and half of this is yours. Dean looks at the bag on the table and says, I think I'm going to pass. I'm not really into stealing from sweet old ladies. Dr. Mahoney says, I'm not stealing from them. I'm stealing from their children. Little bastards think they can drop their folks off at a home and visit twice a year, maybe. I took care of all these old geezers. I think I deserve, Dean says, you don't I don't care. anything other than the satisfaction of a job well done, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dean, Dean says, I don't care. Dr. Mahoney says, fine, have it your way. Dean lowers his gun a few inches and Dr. Mahoney flings papers at Dean and pushes him back against the wall. Dean falls to the ground and Dr. Mahoney grabs uh, the bag and runs. Dean fires his gun. A red and yellow flag with the word bang written on it <laughs> pops out of his gun. <laughs> Dr. Mahoney pauses and turns and says, welcome to the fun house. Dean stares at the flag for a moment. Dr. Mahoney runs off and Dean follows him. So they cut to inside Fred's mind. Fred says, cartoons. Yeah, yeah. I always loved them when I was a kid. They made me feel happy, safe. They were, Sam says, something to hold on to. Fred says, yeah. So cut back to Dean. He chases Dr. Mahoney through the bank. Dean tackles him and the frame freezes with Dean in midair. His hands on Dr. Mahoney's shoulders. Captions appear on the screen. It says, Dean Winchester. 
Hunterus Heroicus. I'm sure I said that right. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Mahoney. And then it also says Dr. Mahoney, uh, Grotescus Villainous. <laughs> <laughs> they crash to the ground. Uh, they get up, and Dr. Mahoney produces a large frying pan from his jacket. <laughs> he hits Dean across the face with it three times, then presses it into Dean's face. Dean yells as the image of his face appears in the frying pan. Dr. Mahoney lowers the frying pan and Dean looks dazed. We hear a cuckoo noise, uh, a falling noise, and a chirping birds as Dean falls to the ground. Dr. Mahoney says, give up. I've been dealing with this crazy for months. And you, idiot, bring a gun to a gag fight. Dean says, yeah, well, I did bring this. And he holds up a can of spray paint. He says, an X marks the spot. Dr. Mahoney looks down and sees that he is standing over an X marked on the floor. He looks up and we hear the loud noise of something falling. Dr. Mahoney gets out of the way before a large anvil hits the X. But like, Cut why back. would you warn him? I know that was stupid. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm going to do this thing. Ha 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 ha. Like, well, now he knows, idiot. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We cut back to Fred's mind. Sam says, I need you to stop this. Take control. Fred says, it's too hard. Sam says, look, it can be nice living in a dream world. It can be great. I know that. And you can hide and you can pretend um, all the crap out there doesn't exist, but you can't do it forever because eventually whatever it is you're running from, it'll find you. It'll come along and it'll punch you in the gut. And then, then you got to wake up because if you don't, then trying to keep that dream alive will destroy you. It'll destroy everything. The background changes to a bright white light. We see a close-up a close of Cass who disappears into the light. We cut back to Dean. He gets up off the floor. Dr. Mahoney grabs the bag and runs for a large black circle on the wall. He yells as he runs into the wall and falls to the ground. Dean says, looks like somebody turned off the boob tube. Dr. Mahoney says, good. He pulls out a gun and cocks it and says, means I can use this. Fred comes in and says, no. <laughs> you're never going to hurt anyone again. And Dr. Mahoney gasps as his hand holding the gun is forced to his own head and he fires. Sam and like, Dean. Fred is a badass. Yes, he <laughs> like, is. No hesitation. Just like, I'm a, I'm a you kill gone. You. <laughs> yep. yep. Dean says, now that's all folks. Fred says, my God. Sam says, Fred, you good? Fred says, now I'm good. In a month year nobody gets sharper with age i'm gonna lose control again and somebody's gonna get hurt again you gotta make it stop Cass says there might be a way the procedure will be painful and when it's over i'm not sure how much of you will be left fred takes a deep breath and then says well what are you waiting for so they cut to the sunset fields retirement home it's daytime fred is sitting in his wheelchair in the day room uh sam dean and Cass stand nearby Sam says, is he, uh, is he okay? Cass says, he's listening to Ode to Joy. He's happy. Dean says, okay, all right. Well, let's blow this termite terrace. Cass, you get a ride to shot. Cass, <laughs> you get to ride shotgun. <laughs> you done good. Cass says, thanks, but I, uh, I can't come. I, uh, and then the scene abruptly changes to Naomi's office in heaven. Naomi says, hello, Castiel, and no. Cass says, no. Naomi says, I can see what you're thinking, and I won't allow it. Cass says, you don't understand. I've been trying to pretend that I can escape what I did in heaven, but I can't. All that pain that I cause, 
I have to come back and make things right. Naomi says, and you are by doing what you're told. Bottom line, unless I ring my bell, you stay out of heaven, Castiel. Cass says, well, then what should I do? Naomi says, what do you want to do? So we cut back to the Sunset Fields retirement home. Sam says, you, you what, Cass? Why can't you come with us? Cass says, I am. Uh, I just want to stay with Mr. Jones. Someone should watch over him for a few days just to be safe. Dean says, okay. And then what? Cass says, then I'm not sure, but I can't run anymore. Okay. That means that Cass is splitting up from the boys again. Yeah. I can't handle it. <laughs> but I mean, to be fair, Cass is kind of doing his own thing all the time anyway. You know, I know. I'm just like, I just want him to feel like he belongs somewhere. And it doesn't yeah. seem like he does, you know? I think he, I mean, at this point, I think he knows that the boys want him to hang out with them, but he's just a little distracted. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so we get a flashback, Sam and Amelia's house. Oh, come on. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's nighttime. Sam, Amelia, and Stan are sitting at the table drinking beer. Stan says, so Amelia is playing the sugar, the sugar plum fairy, right? Amelia groans and Sam puts a hand on her arm. Stan says, right now, this is her big moment. You understand? And she waddles up onto the stage. Amelia says, waddles. Stan says, what? You were a chubby kid. It was adorable. Anyway, she waddles up onto the stage and she is dragging two feet of toilet paper behind her. Sam says, no, everybody laughs and Amelia covers her face. Stan says, you remember that? Amelia says, yeah. The phone rings. Um, Stan says, officially the end of her career. And Amelia gets up to answer the phone. Stan indicates an unopened beer on the table and says to Sam, you want one of these? Sam says, please, yeah. So Stan opens the beer and hands it to Sam, uh, who says thanks. And Stan opens the beer for himself. Sam says, my, uh, my brother used to do that. Stan says, yeah. Sam says, yeah. Stan says, he a good guy? Sam says, yeah, yeah, he was the best. I, uh, I lost him and uh, I ran. Stan says, I'm sorry to hear about that. Amelia on the phone says, what? Are you sure? Oh, God. Sam and Stan look at Amelia, who is standing in the kitchen with her back to them. Amelia comes slowly back into the main room, holding the phone. Stan says, um, I think it's Sam who says this, not Stan. Um, Amelia, baby, you okay? I remember being irritated that Sam called Amelia baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Don't, don't you call her cute names. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I, don't, I don't like it. <laughs> Amelia says, it's Don. He's alive. So we cut back to real time at the Sunset Fields retirement home. Dean says, Sam, are you with me? Sam follows Dean. Beethoven's Ode to Joy plays as Fred smiles. Cass pulls up a chair and sits down next to Fred. And the scene goes to black in a diminishing circle, cartoon style. And credits. Okay, so my first thought is I kind of understand why Amelia is such a bitch. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a learned behavior. <laughs> yeah. She grew up with a horrible dad. I know. Like if he's acting like this and obviously he doesn't act like that to her That's so true. much, but she sees him doing that to other people. But when he's 
acting like that to literally pretty much everyone else, it seems like, yeah, you learn that that's okay after a while. Yeah. Which is not okay. (laughs) It's not okay to treat people like that. I just like, like when I watched this before, Mm -hmm. I hated the man, you know, for being such a douchewad to Sam, Uh but like watching it again, yes, he's a douchewad. But at the end, he was kind of trying to be nice to him. Because Amelia which, was like, chill the hell out. Yeah, which doesn't make him better in my eyes. But no, I just that had means forgotten. That you know he doesn't like you and he's being fake nice, which is almost worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> you know? true. Ugh. Like, ew, just be fake nice from the get-go. If you don't like somebody, then don't be like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say be fake nice from the get go, but just like be respectful, whether you like somebody or not, you know, like exactly. Yeah. Horrible person who made a horrible daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) But so also one thing that I just thought that was kind of interesting was how I don't remember if. Amelia's dad is the one that brought the beer over or if I think I'm pretty sure that it was already at the house and like they're all they're like sitting at a table and he's got this horde of beers around him and like clearly he's already had a couple and Mm -hmm. he's he asked Sam in his own house (laughs) Mm -hmm. if he wanted one too and he like like he's doling them out. Like I'm here now. This is all mine. I'll give you one. If I think that you could have one. And it's like, yeah, it's his beer. You're offering him his own beer, you know, <laughs> Yeah. to me, that whole situation, which they might've just like, I'm not sure if they just kind of overlooked it and just was something that just happened or if they did that on purpose to make him seem even more awful because he's like I'm gonna take all your beer and I'm gonna give you one if I think you deserve it yeah I think they did that on purpose just like, to make him extra douchey and that's it's know? a little different inappropriate he was the one that brought the beer but I don't remember if he was or not I don't think he was yeah yeah I don't think he did I think when he came in, Amelia was like, do you want anything? He's like, I'll take a beer or something like that. And then is just like hoarding the beer. <laughs> like it's yeah. Job. <laughs> Going, yeah, you can have one if I think you, I don't know, earned it. I don't like what, like that's my beard. You know, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's my beer, damn it. I know. Like I would be a little miffed. I would be too. <laughs> But yeah, if I was Sam, I'd be like, no, I don't want my beer. I know. I'd be like, I'm going to no go thanks. have something harder. Probably po- you probably poisoned it. And um, you can just have that now because you touched it and I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. You have cooties. <laughs> like Douche nozzle cooties. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Cooties. I remember those days. I mean, let's be real though. Right now, the entire world is playing the biggest game of everybody's got cooties. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I mean, (laughs) it's not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. It's not right, but it's not wrong either. (laughs) I wonder if Killian has like encountered the cootie 
thing at school. He's never mentioned it to me. And I don't want to bring it up in case he's like, what's cooties? And then I have to tell him and then it starts the whole thing. Cootie thing, yeah. Yeah. But I mean he's got friends that are girls. So I'm assuming they don't do the cootie thing. Probably not, but are they old enough to know at this point? About the cooties. I'm trying to think of when I like so we definitely did the cootie thing when I was in elementary school, but I want to say it was like later elementary school. Oh, I can't remember. And not like, but again, that's probably because I only really remember later in elementary school. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was like so shy in elementary school that like, um, you know, getting close enough for someone to give me cooties like never even happened (laughs) I was just like I mean like I had like a group of friends yeah um who were horrible people and bullied me but like you know we hung out yeah and like there's never any like guys that could approach us that wasn't allowed yeah so (laughs) there is no risk of contamination there (laughs) yeah yeah I remember the cooties being a big thing, but I don't totally remember like when it was a big thing. Cause like mm-hmm. once you're out of, or once you're in like middle school, then all of a sudden like, Ooh, I want those cooties. you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cootie me up. <laughs> I know. Like, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Huh? Anyways but yeah those are my only thoughts but uh so what was your favorite moment from this episode um my favorite moment was when um uh, I can't remember the doctor's name but the doctor who stole oh man okay we totally recorded this like a couple days ago the first part of this episode a couple days ago and now I don't remember anybody's name Dr. Um, M. Um, Mahoney. Yeah. Dr. Mahoney. Okay. When he was, it was at the end of the episode, he's in like the bank vaults and he's got all of his little black holes Uh that he's stuck on drawers and is, you know, reaching in and pulling out goods, you know? And I just, that's my favorite part. I really thought that was a clever idea. Also, how do you make those black holes? Do you just kind of stretch nothing into a black hole something like? I mean, well, so to me, from what I remember, I wasn't a cartoon watcher so much, but from what I do remember from cartoons, it's not like a sticker that you put on something. They literally would take like a paintbrush and like paint a hole Oh. or like, draw a hole in something and go through it you know so I would assume that he had like a can of spray paint or something you know to like make a little black hole to like go into something you know yeah okay yeah well my favorite part was all the hole splunking (laughs) (laughs) that sounds uncomfortable (laughs) sounds like a trip to the doctor's office (laughs) sounds like a pap smear the worst thing ever (laughs) it's not the worst thing ever but it's It's pretty terrible (laughs) nobody likes getting those done I don't think no No. (laughs) oh man (laughs) (laughs) what was your favorite moment (laughs) 
Uh, well, it definitely wasn't all the black holes. <laughs> Not that I didn't appreciate that part, but my favorite, I wouldn't say it was a moment, but my favorite like thing that happened throughout the episode was Cass just like trying to be a hunter in general yeah. and like failing miserably. So he's like, why did you kill your husband? And like, I'll interrogate the cat. And one of my, I think, well, Within that, I think my favorite moment is probably the cat calling Cass a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> That's he's, pretty good. He's got a super low voice. He's like, dumbass. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can just see a cat doing that. Like, honestly, that's probably what they're saying most of the time to us in their heads is calling us dumbasses. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that. I mean, I don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast before, but like, and I don't know if this is completely true or not, but from, I've seen a couple different articles and stuff here and there where like dogs think like they know that we're different from them and they like us, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> where cats <laughs> just think that we're large hairless cats that are so stupid, you know, like, <laughs> which is why, cause you know, cats, when they have kittens, they teach them how to hunt by bringing them dead things. Right. And so like, Mm -hmm. and the more like skilled the kittens get at killing quote unquote, the already dead things, they like bring them more and more alive things to like teach them how to hunt and how to kill things. And cats do that to us like (laughs) all the time, which probably means that they think we're big dumb hairless cats that can't even figure out how to feed ourselves (laughs) (laughs) like the amount of every time they bring us something like that has been dead you know like Mm -hmm. dumbass here you go you know (laughs) (laughs) figure it out (laughs) oh that's so funny but yeah I don't I don't remember if we've talked about that or if I've even talked to you about that before I I feel like we've had this conversation but we probably have we probably have whether it was on the podcast or not, I don't know. But <laughs> I I don't know anymore, like any conversation we have now, if it was on the podcast or like in real life. I know. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to talk about this, but wait, do, especially for our agent and aspect moments. It's like, okay, I have a moment, but wait, did we already talk about this? <laughs> yeah. Like, did I it, just tell you? Like, or? did you tell me about it already? Or did we already talk about it on the podcast? So we've got most of them written down now. We still have the, that first couple seasons we need to go through. <laughs> <laughs> you you gave me that assignment like a year ago. <laughs> um, I gave both of us that assignment a year ago. And we stood <laughs> down the middle like you have to look through this many episodes and I have to look through this many episodes and have either of us done any of it? No. <laughs> no. Nope. At some nope. point, we're going to get to the very end of all of this and be like, well, I guess it didn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully we don't double up on our idget and aspect moments or the research, but. Well, I feel like our idget and aspect moments from the beginning, that was what, four years ago now. So <laughs> yeah, if we have to reach back that far to get an idget or an aspect <laughs> moment, we're struggling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but yeah <laughs> that'd be pretty sad <laughs> um so our interesting facts from this episode uh it says maxine miller uh portraying sheila 
um, the resident at the assisted, well, a resident at the assisted living facility um, has provided the voice for multiple characters in several animated feature movies and cartoon series. It doesn't say oh. what any of them are. <laughs> That's cool. But she has been a cartoon voice. You know who bodies. else is a voice actor is um, the woman who plays um, Mrs. Tran. Have you Not ever really? been to any of her panels? No. She's in like she's in like a lot of different cartoons, and she'll that's what she does mostly is like during her panels is like she talks about her charity for a while, mm-hmm. um, and then she starts doing voices from her different shows, and people you know line up and ask her to do this person's voice and this person's voice. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, that sounds a lot like um, oh um, Gray. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds a lot like Gray's panels. <laughs> Yeah, that we went to for the last convention. There was a lot of like, oh, can you do this voice? And how do you get into voice acting and all that sort of stuff? Like, it wasn't really about any of the, well, I mean, because yes, she was in the episode, but it didn't show her in the episode. So it wasn't really mm-hmm. about like the episode that she was in. Yeah. So without giving anything away, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, anyways. Um, where am I at? Oh, um, so it says Gary Freeling, uh, the first victim whose heart burst through his chest, um, is named after Frizz Freeling, um, who directed hundreds of Looney Tunes slash Mary Melodies cartoons. Oh, that's cool. I don't know Mary yeah. Melodies, but I think my brother used to watch the um, Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah, I've only watched the Looney Tunes. I was never really like into cartoons not that they're bad or anything I just never like that they weren't my thing when I was little like we didn't have cable or anything um and so you know I'd wake up Saturday mornings and um and watch you know the Saturday morning cartoons because that's all that was on and the only real time I got to watch cartoons because you know that's just when they're on and oftentimes there are Looney Tunes so I just watched what was on we had like five channels so (laughs) yeah oh I I think we had I know we had like Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and all that sort of stuff growing up for a while anyways um Mm -hmm. but I didn't I just wasn't really into any of it my thing was more like the I wouldn't say like sitcom but like the live action sort of stuff so like you know Lizzie McGuire and all that you know Mm -hmm. yeah that was kind of more my speed (laughs) Mm -hmm. that and like Temple of Doom did you ever see that Mm-hmm. oh it was like a I think it was a Nickelodeon thing but it was like a game show so they had okay. to like do these different obstacles and there's like slime and all these different things that they had to like you know get through the levels or whatever to win or I don't even totally remember but that was I liked that one that sounds fun <laughs> it was you like know what American I just Ninja watched... warrior for kids <laughs> yeah you know what I just watched the whole first season of because I don't think there's been another season so far uh-huh. but is um the floor is lava have you seen that game show uh-uh. I think it's it, well it's on Netflix but I don't know if it's like a Netflix show I think it is oh, yeah. yeah yeah this last weekend I was just like you know like my anxiety level is really high and I want to spend time with my family but I'm really stressed so I'm just gonna have an edible and <laughs> watch the floor is lava all weekend <laughs> I mean why so, not <laughs> yeah so that's what I did real yeah. productive yeah I think I saw like a 
trailer or something for that at one point and it looked kind of interesting but I never watched it's it. fun yeah, yeah it's really fun yeah I like to watch those like game show type thing I mean like I shouldn't say game show but like you know American Ninja Warrior and like the obstacle course stuff I think that's kind of fun yeah usually game shows like really stress me out yeah. You know, like they just make me like too anxious. So I don't like to watch them, but this one is, is funny. And like the, the like narrator of the show is hilarious. And yeah. 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 I'll have to check it out. Um, okay. I'm trying to figure, I'm like, where? okay. Um, just like the title and many references, uh, throughout the episode, Dean being captioned Hunteress Heroicus, um, or Heroicus maybe, um, and Dr. Mahoney being grotesquous villainous <laughs> is a reference to Looney Tunes cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, it says there's a character closely related to the cartoon phenomenon named Fred Jones. Um, Fred Quimby and Chuck Jones were both directors of animation for a number of Tom and Jerry cartoons. Um, Fred Jones was also the name of one of the members of the Scooby-Doo gang. Oh, I don't um, know if I knew that was his last name. I knew his name was Fred, but I definitely didn't know it was Jones. I mean, yeah. I'm sure they all have last names. There's Fred, Wilma, Daphne, and Shaggy. Yeah. I wonder what Shaggy's last name is. <laughs> I wonder what Shaggy's first name is because <laughs> I assume that that's a nickname. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Shaggy do? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. <laughs> yeah. Um, So it says, um, Dean, Castiel, and Sam used the false names Crosby, Stills, and Nash after members of the folk rock group of the same name, short, um, in short, CSN, which I didn't, I've never heard of them before. Oh, I have. I couldn't tell you one song of theirs, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It says, uh, Brian Markinson, uh, the actor portraying Stan Thompson, also appeared in Supernatural, The Phantom Traveler, as Jerry, which is that wasn't he the guy at the very beginning in the bathroom at the airport that like got all the smoke? Oh, maybe I, I can't, who are like, who are you even talking about in this episode? Who did he play in this episode? Stan Thompson, which who's that? I'm pretty sure. um, Oh, you know, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong person. I can't think of a Stan Thompson from this episode. Isn't he like Amelia's dad? Oh, yes, you are right. That is his name. And um, yeah, I I can't remember Phantom Traveler enough to. Well, no, because it says Brian Markinson and another and um, um, another thing down here um, is Amelia's dad, I think. Or wait, no. No, I think it might be Amelia's dad. It is. His name is Stan, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Wasn't he the guy, though, that, like, got the smoke in his eyeballs? In the, in the, in I can't remember. Bathroom? Yeah. I mean, I want to say yes, but I can't remember for sure. Yeah, I don't remember. Now that it, they're like, oh, yeah, it's this this guy was in this episode it's like okay like maybe but (laughs) (laughs) um 
it says Dean says, well, that's all folks, um, which is another reference to Looney Tunes. Um, it says still relevant with the cartoon theme of this episode. When Dean joins the doctor slash burglar in the bank, he says, what's up, doc, which is a Bugs Bunny catchphrase. Um, when Dean says it's wabbit season, <laughs> he's quoting Looney Tunes character Elmer Fudd. And it says Brian Markinson slash Amelia's dad, Catherine Lowe, he Hegquist um, slash Detective Glass, and Amanda Tapping slash Naomi are all X-Files uh, 1993 alums, like many of the guest stars on Supernatural. Awesome. I don't remember Amanda Tapping on um, the X-Files. Hmm. Guess I mean, I it's need very to... possible that she was in like an episode or something, you know? I'm sure she was. I haven't rewatched the x-files in like 10 years now but probably not like a main character but mm -hmm. probably just a guest character on one episode yeah yeah um it says dean asks sam is there a link between heartbreak hotel and free falling uh dean is of course his what dean is of course his first euphemisms referring to the two victims that sentence doesn't make any sense <laughs> i have no idea what you just said to me <laughs> <laughs> i'm guessing of course i'm guessing it means in his in the euphemisms referring to the two victims i don't know whatever um <laughs> uh, it says however both those phrases are the titles of rock songs that are widely regarded as classics uh, the former is originally by Elvis Presley and the latter by Tom Petty. Um, Petty, coincidentally, um, played with a band called the Heartbreakers and also did a cover of Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. <laughs> um, with Guns and Roses in 1989. Um, so at least in the real world, Tom Petty is the link between Heartbreak Hotel and Free Falling. Oh, cool. Um, it says... In the scene when Sam, Dean, and Castiel are interrogating Mrs. Freeling, uh, thinking that she did spell work to cause her husband, or <laughs> it says we husband's death. I'm guessing it meant her husband's death. <laughs> uh -huh. um, and discover that she knew about her husband's affair. Uh, Castiel asks, then what killed her husband? Um, Dean responds with, who gives a, and the scene switches immediately to a streetcar with a horn blaring. Uh, cleverly subverting the usual bleep that censors swear words in television. Um, mm -hmm. This happens, be or this happened because Jensen Ackles, um, in an effort to make Misha Collins and Jared Padalecki laugh, actually said, "Who gives a fuck?" <laughs> and the editors <laughs> decided to keep the outtake for comic relief. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Who gives a? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> um. So it says, in keeping with the cartoon theme of the episode, Fred Jones, uh, the psychokinetic in the episode, shares a name with the leader of Scooby's gang in the Scooby-Doo cartoons, um, which they already said, so whatever, it's fine. Um, <laughs> in the scene where Sam, Dean, and Castiel are investigating the first death, um, the victim with the heart burst open, um, Castiel sniffs the corpse to get more info regarding the victim, to which Dean replies, nice job on the bladder infection, Sherlock. <laughs> Um, in BBC's Sherlock from 2010, um, Sherlock Holmes, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, does the same thing in episode, um, or season one, episode one, um, Sherlock, a study in pink, um, to gather further details regarding the death of a victim. He's yep. a sniffer too, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah. Good old sniffer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I like that. 
(laughs) (laughs) So our research from this episode um, is off of (laughs) iHorror.com. And it's seven animated hoarder, hoarder? Oh no, not hoarders. films (laughs) that would give kids nightmares. I mean, Order films would probably give kids nightmares. Too oh my much. god, yes. <laughs> yes. Have you ever seen hoarders? Yes, I have, and it terrified me. Yeah, it's like strangely fascinating. And really sad. Ugh. And really sad, but like also like <laughs> it makes me feel better about myself if the house is a little dirty or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, also, it makes me want to clean. So yeah. if I like have no <laughs> motivation to get anything done around the house, like turn on an episode of Hoarders and like have it be like, nope, I'm going to go clean everything right now because <laughs> ew. <laughs> I'll have to try that. <laughs> See how that goes. Yeah. It doesn't work every time, but there's definitely been times where I've watched like a few episodes of Hoarders or something like that off and on throughout like a few days. And then I'm like, I need to clean. Yeah. <laughs> <Ew>. oh. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some disgusting things on that show. Like there was a bathroom where I think there was, wasn't there, there was either like a small child living there or the person living there wore diapers themselves, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and, um, instead of like changing, well, instead of throwing the diaper away, mm-hmm. they probably started doing that, like just in the bathroom garbage, uh-huh. but they just started throwing them in the bathroom. So oh. the whole bathroom was full of poopy diapers. Yeah. I mean, like hills of them, you That's know, disgusting. yeah. Ugh. Like go in there with a shovel and put it in trash bags and take them all out. Like, yeah. Yeah. The people who discovered it were just like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, like they have diaper genies for a reason because that shit stinks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, literally that shit stinks. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) um so anyway back to (laughs) the seven horror films that will make kids freak out um so it says um there's a list of well upcoming which it those of all those are all out by now um and available animated horror films that would give kids nightmares um the first one is lenoria um and it's it said to be announced 2018. So I'm guessing that's out by now. Yeah. (laughs) It says Lenoria is a story about a little boy who after experiencing a terrible loss comes face to face with some horrific otherworldly creatures. The film's stunningly creepy trailer will make you wish more animated studios or more animated studio films dared to go dark. Um, It says Carlos Baena's passion project features jaw-dropping atmospheric visuals and a heartfelt personal story for something truly special. Um, Baena is leading a collaboration of international industry professionals who've worked on films like Let the Right One In, The Orphanage, Pan's Labyrinth, Finding Nemo, Rio, and many more. Hmm. Um, And then they said they'll be keeping an eye out for an actual release date, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is I, I wonder if that one, I'm sure we could probably figure out when that one came out, but 
anyway um it says the other lily from 2015 it says it's a scary tale about a girl who suffers from sleep paralysis which Ooh. like what <laughs> these are kids films <laughs> yeah um it says lily soon realizes the apparition that torments her at night may be more than just a figment of her imagination uh, the short film directed and animated by David Romero demonstrates you don't need a big budget or crew to make one creepy animated short. Um, the sketchy hand-drawn animation really lends itself to the film's charm and creep factor. Um, it says uh, they also covered the short film Paralysis, I'm guessing, um, in a previous article that they had written, which... Uh, showed audiences the nightmarish visions sleep paralysis sufferers may endure <laughs> mm-hmm. like, okay so yeah basically we're just giving you a bunch of creepy animations to watch because you know because you want to you want to and it, you know i i would assume that if y'all like supernatural that you like creepy things to some extent so yeah <laughs> um there's one that's called season's greetings from 1996 um, it says, speaking of 2D animation, here's a throwback to the cartoons many of us grew up on as kids. Um, Sam invaded writer-director uh, Michael Doherty's um, mind long before his quintessential Halloween film, Trick or Treat. Um, the Imp made a much earlier appearance in Doherty's senior thesis animated film, Season's Greetings at New York University. Um, in the short film, Sam is out trick-or-treating under the guise of a normal kid in a costume when he runs into a shadowy stranger. So, I don't know. They don't give you a ton of information about, like, the films, but... That's probably good. Yeah. Probably a good thing, because it sounds like they're all pretty short, so, like, in a five-minute film, do you really want to just, like, here's everything that happens, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Um, so this one is Geist from 2015. Um, it says a shipwrecked sailor wakes up on a beach and seeks shelter from the violent storm at a nearby vacant house. Um, as the weary man takes refuge by a warm fire and the rain pouring down outside, he soon suspects he may not be alone. Of course. Of course. You know, it says, <laughs> and under here it says, I really can't say enough about how much I absolutely love Geist by writer slash directors Ben Harper, Sean Mullen, and Alex Sherwood. Um, this poignant haunted house film is an emotional roller coaster that will give you chills in more ways than one. What other ways can you have chills? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe like scary chills and then like emotional chill. I don't know. Jumpy ch- Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of chills. Apparently. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Um, this one says, um, this is witness from 2015. It says a tormented man attempts to track down a mysterious killer to avenge his wife's murder. Um, but he's led to a shocking discovery after closing in on the suspect. Um, it says witness, um, by Alexandra, Alexandra Berger, Chris, or Christ, Iba V and Hugo Risen is the type of psychological thriller you'd normally see in a live action David Fincher film. Um, however, the uncommon just juxtaposition of animation telling a seedy revenge tale elevates the material in a more artful, dreamlike way. Cool. <laughs> it's floaty. <laughs> <laughs> floaty scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it says Midnight Story from 2016 says Riff and Alternate Studio brings us the spooky animated horror short where a young girl learns there are more frightening things than monsters in storybooks. 
Um, Midnight Story isn't light on subtext either, providing a deeper commentary about broken homes. Um, the film is an intense haunted house ride that mixes impressive 2D drawings and 3D animation. Um, it's definitely some of the creepier, creepier visuals you'll find in animated horror short. Um, one startling um, moment is reminiscent of the short film Mama, um, which was adapted into the 2013 feature length film by IT director Andy Machete, mm -hmm. I think. Um, uh, the next one is uh, the Backwater Gospel from 2011. It says, when the undertaker comes down to claim a life, the a belligerent holy man rallies the paranoid locals to rid themselves of a tramp. This stylish horror western uh, directed by Bo Mathorn um, is brutal, bloody, and cool as all hell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, it says, the short plays out like a Stephen King novel told in under 10 minutes. Um, the Backwater Gospel's graphic novel-esque visuals take the story to another level in a way live action just can't replicate. So hmm. check out all those. We researched sketchy cartoons for you guys. <laughs> so, yeah. so let us know what you think of them if you watch them, which means um, also that I should probably watch these things. So. <laughs> yeah. They sound like they're all really short. You can probably watch them in all under like an hour, I would assume. Because I mean, most mm -hmm. short films are like 20, 20 minutes. Long yeah. Ops, you know? Yeah. Like they have, um, actually, they have the videos in this. So like one's nine minutes, one's four minutes, uh, one's 10 minutes, three minutes, five minutes. Yeah, they're all pretty short. So um easily you could watch them all in an hour mm -hmm. you know what i'm still salty about uh, i don't think i've talked about this on the podcast and maybe i have <laughs> um uh this is slightly related to what we were just talking about um there is a i don't know if it's going to be a movie or a tv show i think a tv show and mm -hmm. i don't remember on what network um coming out called the midnight club and it's a, it's based on a Christopher Pike book from uh, Christopher Pike was like R.L. Stein, basically, you know what I mean? He wrote mm -hmm. like scary teenager novels. Yeah. Um, and I read a lot of his stuff when I was um, pretty young, like, you know, 12. Mm -hmm. And um, so I read this book and thinking like, oh, this is going to be scary. This is going to be great, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was actually about this like group home for kids dying of cancer. What? And they weren't kids. They were, well, some of them were kids, I think, um, but there were some teenagers too. Um, but yeah, and they all get together at midnight and tell scary stories. And that's what the book was about. But like, okay, sure. I'm getting some scary stories. That's nice. But like, it's also, just depressing. <laughs> it was so depressing. These kids were like slowly dying and it was like in detail about it. Oh, of course. It was so sad. I was like crying my eyes out and like, this is supposed to be a scary book. And, like, yeah. <laughs> now I'm just sad. Yeah. I'm really sad. And they're making a free TV show about it. I'm just oh, like, no, boy. that is not going to do well. Okay. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, look at the fault in their stars, though. Oh, yeah. I never watched that shit or read that shit. So. Yeah, um, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm not gonna. At least yeah, I don't no. think you should. <laughs> no. It was a good book and the movie was really good, but it's definitely like it was well done, but it's definitely 
it's very depressing you know yeah yeah so, i'm not gonna see that yeah i don't i don't think you should do that <laughs> yeah. it's like hey plot twist when you think this is gonna happen actually something much not necessarily worse happens but like you know kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. so anyway yeah, yeah. just mm-mm. no i won't it was really well done i feel like but it was rough so. yeah anyway um <laughs> what was your idiot or ass moment from this week okay well i was a total ass butt and broke my washing machine i so, don't think that's an idiot <laughs> well you didn't do it on purpose i guess it well oh. I, mean, I didn't i didn't do it on purpose but you know every month you're supposed to you know put whatever cleaning thing in there and run it on a cleaning cycle your washing machine. So it gets rid of all the like gunk and soap scum and any smells and all that. Your front loaders anyways, you're supposed to, you know, maintenance like that. Mm -hmm. And I usually do. Um, I've had a really hard couple of months with like my mental health and I just haven't really been doing much of anything in terms of like taking care of the house and all this stuff. Eric's really had to pick up some slack, which sucks for him. But, um, so I didn't do that with the washing machine and Mm -hmm. I put um Killian's gi from karate like his Mm -hmm. outfit in the washing machine and like some socks like I didn't put very much in there but like you know that's white yeah and um I you know soaked it and ran it and when it came out it was covered in soap scum I just mean like like flakes and smears of like chunky gray stuff just like just like inside and out of his outfit and I was like oh my gosh like I clearly fucked up (laughs) gross yeah yeah, I was like and there was like like Killian was supposed to have karate that night and I was just like oh like I don't think I can fix the washing machine in time and clean you know, like actually pick have all clothes the, to wear yeah pick all this the nastiness off of his gi and then you know wash it again you know yeah. so it doesn't irritate his skin and oh god so like you know eric empties the filter and we're like cleaning out behind the like the rubber i don't know what that inside thing is called like gasket or something and like, yeah the little like liner or whatever yeah and just like you know you have to like get your whole heart whole arm in the machine and like scrub it all out because there's pieces everywhere well okay so we do that and I'm like great you know I've picked all the nasty off the gi and um I throw a white towel in there you know Uh just to see and it comes out covered in chunks again so I we like run the cleaning cycles and we do this like four times it took forever, multiple days to get all the chunks out of there. And it was just horrible. Like Killian <laughs> didn't go to karate this whole time. <laughs> you know? Like you can't and, go out in public like this. Sorry, dude. You know? No, like- <laughs> yeah. I was just, uh, I just felt, I felt really stupid. You know what I mean? Like no one could wash any clothes. So the the clothes piles were just like, you know, getting higher and higher. And I mean, but like, it's not necessarily like, 
I don't know. That's kind of one of those things that like, I don't think I've ever known anybody that that's actually happened to them. So <laughs> this is not the first time it's happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it hasn't happened in years. Cause like the first time it happened, I was like, like, I have no idea what's happening. You know, we had to like, you know, after, you know, cleaning it out and all that stuff, it was, you know, still chunking. So we had to call, <laughs> yeah, we had to call a maintenance guy and just be like, I don't know, you know, like, what's, what's going, going on? on like, here? do you need to take the machine apart? Like, and, um, there's like a hose that like goes back into the wall uh-huh. and, um, there were some like cruddy flakes on the outside of the hose. And he's Ooh. like, all you need to do is pull this hose up like two inches and you're fine. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Okay. And, you know, mm-hmm. clean the machine out again and all that stuff. So, so um, I've really stuff sitting in it. Yeah. I've really stayed on top of it for the last few years, but this time I just, I just didn't do it. I was just an ass, but I think so. I but, mean, I wouldn't call it ass, but I would just call it maybe kind of like, okay, this was dumb that I didn't do this, but also like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I'm going to stay like- on top of it now because <laughs> that was a nightmare. <laughs> of, yeah. That like would be days. Yeah. Disturbing to have like a bunch of like gray <laughs> stuff on there, you know, it was so gross on his gi. Like I was like, Oh, is this a flake that I can just pick off? Or is this something I just have to smear into the fabric? Ew. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like it was, I'd hope that it goes away. (laughs) Yeah, it was just was disturbing. So anyway, Uh, I'm better now. Won't make that mistake again. (laughs) (laughs) What was your idiot or ass foot moment? Uh, Okay, so (laughs) I felt pretty bad for this one. So with so this is before we got us. Oh no, was it? No, we we had Ahsoka at this point, and my friend Kelsey came over (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, well, like nobody else can ride this newbie here until I figure her out and, you know, get her. So she at least like goes forward motion all the time and, you know, (laughs) that sort of stuff. Um, So I was like, okay, you know, like you can ride Toby. He's, you know, like she's ridden him multiple times before. So like they know each other. It's fine. You know, they'll just mm-hmm. kind of plug her on the pasture while I'm trying to like get us. Oh, can I go forward? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I, I kind of felt like an ass, butt because <laughs> I was like, well, you can trot him in this little tiny area, this little stretch, because he's walked up and down it enough times to where there's no like gopher holes, molehills or anything like that. And that's where like everybody comes up and down with their quads and stuff. If they're coming over to the property and blah, blah, blah. So it's all tamped down and you know, the footing is fine. So I was like, you can do it. She's like, I don't know. I'm not in a saddle. And I'm like, I know, but like, it's little tiny bumpy, but he's not bad. Like he, he really is the laziest thing. So like, he'll barely go over a walk. <laughs> Let's be real. Huh, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they can start going down this little like path you know, and Toby, of course, being the dum- the dummy that he is, veers off the path, steps in a hole. Oh no! Launches himself sideways to try and get out of it. Toby or Kelsey slides off his side, and then he just like leaves right out from under her. 
she hits the ground and he takes off running because she's all of a sudden on the ground and he's like, oh God, no. Oh, no. <laughs> what have I done? I'm going to get in so much trouble and decides to just leave. You know, <laughs> because yeah. he's like, I don't want to be here for the consequences, you know. Right. Mom's going to be pissed. <laughs> oh. And so, yeah, she got up and she was okay and oh, good. a little sore the next day, but I felt pretty bad because. I was like, Hey, you should go and do this thing. And by going and doing this thing, she ended up on the ground. He ended up all the way on the other side of the property with his reins all tangled up in his legs. And I'm like, Oh Aww. God, this could have ended so horribly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I was a big old ass butt for, uh, no, you just believed in your horse. I yeah. think that doesn't make you an ass, but yeah. Well, the thing is, is like, it would have been totally fine if I don't even know if like it was her steering that led him a little off or if it was him just being a squirrel and decided to go sideways or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, then he stepped in the hole, which freaked him out. Well, here's the thing is that <laughs> he hates, like he'll walk around and he steps in like the gopher holes and stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. And it like pisses him right off. You know? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> hates it and like throws little hissy fits so my guess is that that's really what happened is he got pissed that he stepped in the gopher hole and just kind of went you know <laughs> and then she just kind of went thunk, yeah. you know? oh. so anyways I felt really bad because she ended up on the on her butt and you know nobody was hurt but yeah that's so good I was like dude <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you just keep it together? If you're gonna do stupid shit like that, at least wait till I'm on you rather than somebody else. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. But anyways, Aww. all that being said, like he didn't really like he didn't do too much. He didn't like buck her off or anything. She just like yeah, you know, was unbalanced and went off. And then he was like, "I'm leaving." <laughs> yeah, I thought you were gonna say that like she fell off you know like like to the side like slid off and that he like fell on top of her oh yeah no that's, no <laughs> that's where I thought you were going with it and I was just like oh no like is she yeah, no. alive it was okay. more of a he just kind of went oh crap and she went oh crap and then they both like went in their opposite directions you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah that's good I felt really bad and I was like um Please ice your butt when you get home because I'm home. Yeah. she's like, yeah, I'm a little sore, but I'm fine. But yeah. Ugh. I mean, the thing is, is like, if you've been around horses for long enough, like you will end up on your butt at some point. Like that's yeah. just kind of what it is because I mean, not that horses are dangerous, but horses can be dangerous, you know? For sure. Yeah. And so at some point when you've ridden enough of them and you know, whatnot, you're, especially if, you know, you're not used to riding frequently, then yeah, stuff can happen sometimes. And usually it's stuff like that, that doesn't, you know, really end up in a big thing, but it's always mm -hmm. a little bit unnerving when somebody else is on your horse and you're like, oh, please don't get hurt. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway. So yeah, I felt like a big old ass butt for kind of egging her on. She's like, I'm not really sure. And I'm like, do it. <laughs> and, then <she> has <laughs> and then Toby was a big old idiot because you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, everybody was okay. So that's everybody was important. okay. I still felt bad though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. 
Anyway. Well, thanks for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us at idgets and aspects podcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Idgets and Aspects, a supernatural podcast. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and send us your Idget and Aspect moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.